Hello, and welcome to Good Movie, Bad Movie, with Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. We don't do this very often, guys, so just a reminder, the idea is we talk about a, two movies, and then we determine which one's the good one and which one's the bad one. Yeah, example, we did uh, recently Star Trek, the last Star Trek movie, uh, Star Trek Beyond, and then we did Star Trek uh, Search for Spock. Mm-hmm. To kind of compare and contrast, Search for Spock was the bad movie in that case. It wasn't really that bad, though. It's a, a much bigger disparity this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movies we're doing. And the movies we're doing uh, this week are Sorcerer and Suicide Squad. And I think the train of thought there was they're both movies about bad guys that have to do really dangerous missions. Mm-hmm. Suicide missions. And they have multiple S sounds. <laughs> and they like, like one other similar thing. Maybe it's not that similar. I feel like you kind of get a little background about each character before you get into it. Except one movie does that in a far more elegant way and the other is just like, they don't know what they're doing. Um, so I guess we'll just get into Sorcerer. Um, this was one that I feel like Con we wanted to watch for a while. Why was that? Why did how did Sorcerer just come up? Do you remember? Oh uh, well, I think for me it was listening to Mark Maron's WTF when he had William Friedkin on, which was a really great episode because he's a super interesting guy. And yeah, Mark Maron was just like, "Oh man, Sorcerer, so good, <laughs> so into it." Yeah, and I was like, "Why haven't I heard of this?" And, like, I think I'd heard the title in passing. I was like, I don't get it. Like, where's the, where's the sorcerers? There's no wizards in this. <laughs> uh, but Sorcerer is William Friedkin's movie that he did after Exorcist. It's like a three, four-year gap because I think he, like, took a break. He's just, like, living life. Living the life. Living the life. He, he did The French Connection right before The Exorcist. Too. Yeah, that's, so he had two really big that's movies. That's a pretty amazing three-movie run. That's right up there. Yeah. And then he got into... I, not sure what the title of the the original book is because it's, it's in French. I know that it was adapted as Wages of Fear in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Maybe the title just means Wages of Fear, but it was a book by George George Arnaud. It's a t- tough name, and he wanted to like do a new adaptation of that book. I'm not sure what he did differently, but I know for one thing, it has more updated like effects and. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen the original, so I don't know what's different. I don't know what he wanted to bring to it or why that story spoke to him. Yeah, but. I had always heard of the original because it's been in my Netflix queue for like as long <laughs> as I've had a Netflix queue. I'm like, eh, it's kind of long. It's fridge. But I, I think we can give like a little plot. I mean, I don't think we'll There's get too much There's not that much to it. give. There's really not that much to give. Yeah, it's just four four bad dudes from different parts of the world. Each character is introduced with a little vignette about what kind of criminal they are. Let's see if we can remember them all real quick. So we have... Who's first? First we have the hitman. Mm-hmm. Don't remember his name. Spanish guy. Ah, I feel like he doesn't have a name. <laughs> he's just like a dude who dresses really fancy. Like He wears like a, like a little hat and he's got sunglasses. It's and he just... A white suit. He's just cool. There's not much to him. Even his vignette is this most simple. He just mm-hmm. walks up and shoots a guy. And yeah, I was trying to remember. Like, was that it? He just walks up and shoots <laughs> the guy. It. That's his whole introduction. That's the opening. Because you kind of forget about him. <laughs> because like, the oh. next guy's bit is so long. Yeah. It's, it's multiple scenes. But the first actor is Francisco Rabal, and then we go to, I believe it was Jerusalem, mm-hmm. 
and there's a group of guys and they're doing a uh, a bombing i don't know if it was like for political reasons i assume it is i don't know some sort of terrorist bombing in jerusalem mm -hmm. and that character i think his name was kasem i remember that i remember that for some reason because there's a little more to that character mm -hmm. he's played by amidal and then we yeah so i mean just just so you, it's it's not just they're criminals and they end up like they all have reasons for being on the run mm -hmm. uh, and his is that like after that bombing his whole squad gets killed except for one guy gets arrested and he's able to kind of disappear in the crowd right so he's he's on the run now from israeli police and probably the military and all sorts of people and so the next person is the french guy uh, they call him Serrano, but I feel like he had a different name while he was in France. Yeah, Bruno Cremer. Don't know many of these people, but his whole deal was he was like a businessman with maybe some sort of bank, and there's some sort of fraud thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the details really matter. It's like you just know that he did something just that's some white collar crime. Yeah, that's really bad. So bad, like his business partner shoots himself in his car, like after while they're at like a fancy party. Yeah. And he just, like, books it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he was actually the most relatable, or at least, like, sympathetic character. Because he, he's, like, he did he did a crime, but I don't know. I felt, like, more of a connection to him because he's just, like, a regular he's guy. white guy crimes. <laughs> boring white guy crimes. <laughs> we can relate. Everyone else is, like, some crazy, like, stunt. Because then we go um, to Roy Scheider. And I only remember his name, his, his, his bad, his, his change name, which was mm -hmm. Dominguez. And he's like in New Jersey, and he was a bank robber. And they hit some church that I guess was owned by like mobster guys. Mm -hmm. So like they're driving away, and the car crashes, and like the most vicious car crash, blood everywhere. This movie has a lot of blood, and it's like that weird like seventies blood where it was like really really red. I've noticed yeah. that in some seventies movies. Where, like, is blood really that red? It looks like <laughs> like Hawaiian Punch. I mean, they hadn't been allowed to put blood in movies for that long. They're just getting the hang of it. So then they finally get to do it, and they're like, let it flow! Yeah. <laughs> they're just gushing out. Roy Scheider somehow manages to limp away. And then all these guys end up in some, like, shitty, shitty town in South America. I don't know if they even said where it was. I don't know if it matters. All we know is it's some South American village. There's some dictator that is on posters everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're all working, like, the shittiest jobs. Like... I think we're all surprised by, like, the French guy has really, like, somehow taken to being, like, he fricks his, like, pipes and is now good with, like, cars and stuff. It's like, oh, how did he, how did he get good at this? But whatever. It, it's, it's kind of fun watching, like, someone who's, like, all fancy, like, now they're, like, doing the shittiest jobs. <laughs> and then, like, there's some, like, is it an oil business mm -hmm. going on? There's, and were those guys American or... They're American. It's an American company. There's an American company in this in this uh, in this nation doing some sort of oil business, and then there's a big oil fire, and they think it may have been a terrorist attack. I don't know if we ever really find out. Yeah, it just kind of blows. And then they're like, "Oh, how are we going to put this huge fire?" And then I guess they, they they come to the conclusion that you know, if we get this nitroglycerin that's in this other spot, we can like blow up the tanker and that'll end the fire yeah and, and it's, so it's very they, they say they, they don't they can't get military support because uh el presidente has to appear like he hates the americans mm -hmm. um and so the only explosives they have access to is this shed full of dynamite that's been sitting there for apparently like decades and so what they say is that like the nitroglycerin has leaked into like the bottom of these crates so you can't even use the dynamite. You have to take the whole crates, and if you even just bump them the wrong way, it, it's dead. It's a 
huge explosion. They can't transport them by helicopter. They have to be driven in trucks across the jungle. So the the head of this company uh, gets all the the scummy guys that live in this town, <laughs> the, all these former criminals, to like do, I guess, car driving practice. <laughs> We'll, we'll test. See how steady their hand is behind and the wheel. It was surprising that, the, once again, the French guy, he's really taken to this <laughs> gritty life because he gets picked and Roy Scheider gets picked and uh, the Israeli guy gets picked. And then there's a German guy that gets picked. But you're like, well, what about that Mexican guy? Because he's in this town laying low for some reason. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know why. And he basically just he does what he knows. He kills his <laughs> way into it. <laughs> He killed, which I guess, like at the time, I thought it was weird because, like, I would like some character development. But now, thinking about it now, I really like the fact that, like, that's what he knows, so that's what he uses to get into this. What was weird about that scene, though, is that um, the the terrorist guy is is like, "Hey, where'd the German guy go?" And he looks in this room and he finds him dead, and then he sees the hitman, and he's just standing there, <laughs> and the terrorist guy's gonna like kill him, and then it's. It's Dominguez that breaks them up, and he says, "No, we need a fourth driver." Yeah. So, I, like, I don't nec- like. I it, I didn't pick up on the fact that he wanted to be a driver until you said that. Now, John, I just thought, oh, he, he killed a guy and then he got caught, and so he's well, doing I would what it takes to survive. Killed that guy though, just because it feels so good. Yeah, he's, he's, or you know, well, they were offered. Dead. Yeah, like, we, we we know that nobody's there by choice. Like but they were offered like a huge sum. They were offered, it, even I though think, it's a total suicide. Ten thousand dollars American, and also they were, they would get like permanent residency, so they would stop being harassed by the police, or at yeah. least that was what uh, Dominguez wanted. Yeah, we never really find out. I looked up the character's name. The Mexican hitman is Nilo, or Nilo. We never really find out much about him, but that's kind of like his the intriguing thing about him is this like this mystique about him. <laughs> And so they split up into teams of two and get these, like, they have to, like, use the shittiest trucks and, like, you know. Well, they have a huge selection of the, trucks. But they're they, shitty. They put together the best <laughs> two trucks they could make out of all the parts they have. And that's, I think, like, Lazaro or something like that. And then the other one's called Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And they get these trucks. And I thought it was so cool how, like, they could really only put, like, three cases in each. Like, I figured there's going to be, like, each truck was going to have, like, a bunch of cases. They can only have three because it's that dangerous. Like, they can explode at any minute. And then this is where the movie gets, like, insane because they're driving across, like, the most, like, the craziest landscape you've ever seen. Like, these weird jungle areas with, like, shitty wooden bridges that look like they're, like, hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I was watching this, like, this is, like, one of the most suspenseful things I have ever seen. <laughs> and, like, how do you coordinate this stuff? You have to... This seems really dangerous. Yeah. Like, I was afraid they could actually get hurt making this movie because, like, <laughs> they actually had to build bridges that looked like they're really unstable. I mean, the poster of the movie is one of the trucks going over a wooden bridge suspended over a river, and it's, like, the shittiest bridge you've ever seen. Yeah. It's one of those, like, old-fashioned rope bridges. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. Well, no, that's the best sequence. And it's crazy because, like, both of them have to get over. And after the first one, you're like, that was so fucking intense. <laughs> They're going to have, we got to watch the next one come over. It's like, there's no way it's going to be as intense watching the other one come over. And then it fucking is somehow. Yeah, Serrano and, and Kasim have to do it the second time. And that time, there's like, like a tree gets washed up and it hits the truck yeah. and like Kasem like falls into the river and has to climb back up <laughs> and like the he bridge. gets run over by him at one point it's just like it's like and these they really take their t- 
time on these scenes. There's like five minute scenes, and it just because they gotta go so slowly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I noticed about the structure of this movie. I mean, everybody talks about how the opening is is four vignettes to introduce mm-hmm. each character, and then there's the middle part where they're in the village, and that actually feels like a movie, like where the scenes are intercut with each other. And uh, but then I feel like it goes back to vignettes. It's like here's a rope bridge vignette. Here's a wood bridge vignette. Here's a there's a thing in the road <laughs> vignette. <laughs> Uh, all the way until the end of the movie. Yeah, I definitely you definitely split it up into little segments, which I like because I feel like that makes the movie really memorable. Mm-hmm. Like I remember so much about this movie. Um, where do we go from here? <laughs> it, I mean, it's, I don't know if I want to spoil it. it yeah. It's really great to see them. Like, here's the problem. We know what we have to do. We have to drive through it. But like every time, there's a different wrinkle in exactly how to get through it. <laughs> And, and like you said, John, I mean, this movie's 40 years old, but you're still, like, scared. Oh, man, maybe somebody's going to get hurt. It looks really good. I heard, like, some critics say that it was, like, the last great discovered movie of the 70s. And it really is. It feels like a movie It's like, I should have seen this in film school, but not, not one mention of it ever. Yeah. No one ever talks about it. I don't know what the deal happened with the release. I mean, Freakin' has always said, like, oh, I think Star Wars really hurt this film. Maybe that's true to some extent, but... I think I read also a big part of it was that like the first twenty minutes, like there's no nobody speaking English. It was all subtitles, so people were like walking out of the theater. I love that, that though, and there's a lot of like visual storytelling of just actions, yeah. and like sometimes that can be so much stronger than than words. And that stuff is just really striking. I think another problem that William Friedkin said is that he couldn't get any big stars for this movie. No one wanted to go drive ch- trucks in the, the jungle. I mean, it definitely feels like a movie where it was just like all about Friedkin's hubris taking over, just being like, I'm going to go into the jungle and make this fucking thing in the mud and the dirt and <laughs> the, the unrelenting storms. Uh, I, guess, I guess it reminds me a lot of Apocalypse Now in that regard. Mm-hmm. They even both kind of at the end become this like descent into madness type thing but yeah I guess he just couldn't get people to go on this crazy journey with him do you think it would have been better with bigger stars I actually don't I don't know it, it feels a little more real I guess since they're playing these guys living on the fringes of society and you'd even know who they are I, don't I think know. I agree I, I would say and also, it's all about them sort of reacting. I don't know. There's not a ton of heavy lifting acting-wise, but... Like, as soon as you know there are two trucks that could very easily explode, I think you're thinking, well, at least one of these trucks is going to explode before the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then having Roy Scheider in one <laughs> of those trucks and two guys you've never heard of in the other one, it kind of tips its hand at perhaps which truck is a little more expendable than the other. Yeah. At the same time... <laughs> halfway through I was like maybe one of the trucks isn't going to blow up because it seems like it, it was pretty far into the movie you know like they were pretty far into the journey I was actually starting to convince myself maybe everyone's going to make it and I feel like we're already spoiling this but I don't know if anyone's going to see this but you should you gotta watch this movie it's great I love it so much um I don't know if it's like Freakin's best movie but I'm st- like I'm starting to think like what if, what if it is I need to watch it again I'm really excited for the next time I watch this movie like at the like at first I was like I'm going to know everything that happens, but mm. I don't know. This time I feel like I could enjoy it even more taking it in for a second viewing. 
I, I don't know if anyone would guess that ending, even based on the hints we've, we've given. That's, uh, that's quite a turn. Even though I guess it is all, it's all there in the beginning, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the music. You guys like the music? No. <laughs> I loved the music. I thought it was all right. Uh, Tangerine Dream? Yeah. The, they, do, uh, they do Blade Runner or Kodu Blade Runner? I thought Blade Runner was Vangelis. Yeah. Okay, well, what did they did do? Song. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I thought it was great. It's very, like, maybe it kind of sets the mood for a different kind of movie. Like, like is this like The Warriors or like Assault on Precinct 13? But I don't know. I like that style. What didn't you like about it, Sean? It just felt really out of place to me with these, like, dark twist. Like these, like, these four characters are people whose life have gotten so bad that they're like eager. Like, either outcome of this suicide mission works for them. Like, either dying or getting paid. Like, it's both are fine. And then hear like computer music on top of it. <laughs> it just seems weird. No, I like it. It makes it, it makes it feel like a video game. <laughs> and I'm yeah, I not didn't realize. usually a compliment, <laughs> but okay. But I didn't realize Tangerine Dream did the music to Grand Theft Auto Five. Huh. Also, the uh, classic film that everyone should see: The Keep. <laughs> Talk about that before the podcast. It's a really bad movie. Uh, it's one of the first Michael Mann movies. Also, Thief, which I've always wanted to see. Call mm-hmm. me seen Thief. Yeah. I want to see Thief. All right. And uh, some others. Risky Business, Legend. Not as many good movies as I thought, but I, I think they're really cool. I really love the music. I love the, I love everything about this movie. I can't think of anything I don't like about it. And yeah, I don't know. Um, like, would I want a different cast? I like these guys. It, it was fun <laughs> reading about who uh, Friedkin like, considered. Like, Steve McQueen was his first choice. And Steve McQueen liked it, but he couldn't do it. Mm. And my favorite, though, was um, Robert Mitchum says, like, why would I want to fall out of a truck when I can do that in my own house? <laughs> he drives trucks in his house? <laughs> well, can you imagine Robert Mitchum's, like, a tough dude just, like, driving trucks and he's, like, he probably has, like, a farm? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know what Robert Mitchum's going too on old, I think. He'd be pretty <laughs> old. That's a little, little George C. Scott. I don't know how Robert Mitchum says. I wonder if he would have been the French guy. Mm, you know what's weird looking at the some of the original choices? They were... Like I know, like Mar- Marcello Mastrioni was one. Yeah, it's like, would they have the changed guy. it to just Italian? Make him Italian, maybe. Maybe he would have been the assassin, and they would have changed that character to Italian. Yeah, yeah, he could have been anybody. <laughs> but I think looking back, that's one of the charms of this movie is that it's this great movie that stars people you've barely heard of. That's mm-hmm. that's something that makes it kind of special. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Friedkin said it's his favorite movie he's ever made. It might be mine. Yeah. So it's interesting too because he's so good at car chases. Like, mm-hmm. like the French Connection. Also, to live and die in L.A. has a great car chase sequence. But this one's like all about like the slowest, the slowest of cars. <laughs> like me and Sean are talking about. Like, if you're someone who's like not super confident in your ability as a driver, this is the most terrifying movie you've ever seen because <laughs> they're pulling these huge vehicles over cliffs. And like they're, they're shaking, but also they could blow up. Not it's not enough that they could fall off a mountain; it's that they could blow up. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I didn't even think about it until I think you mentioned it, John. Like they're driving the biggest trucks possible, but they they have three crates with a, with sand in there to keep them from moving around, and two drivers. Like they could have just been in, you know, hatchbacks. But yeah, I guess the terrain's so rough, you you need that huge vehicle. <laughs> 
but no, you should definitely check it out. That's our good movie. Our great movie. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to go into much detail with Suicide Squad because I feel like it's harder to comprehend <laughs> the plot of it. Uh, let's try. Okay. Suicide Squad. Let's let's start from the beginning. So we're at some sort of high-security jail in New Orleans. Q, uh, House of the Rising Sun. Of course. And we... We basically just go through meeting all the characters that are housed here. And you got Will Smith, Deadshot. Um, he's like tough guy, and he like doesn't like love. Because <laughs> he, he totally does. Yeah, I don't think we find out he doesn't love quite yet. I think it's... Does the, is that the part where he is taunting the guard who's feeding him? Yeah, it's like Baron Holtz. He's like, you this shitty spaghetti love. But he's like... Someday I'm going to kill you. And then they put them in, like, torture chairs, because they just have torture chairs everywhere <laughs> at this torture chairs. <laughs> I don't remember what they're going to do with them. They're just going to beat the shit out of them. And I guess, I don't know if we should get into the flashbacks for each character now, or if we should... If we do, it's just going to get as confusing as this movie was to watch. <laughs> it doesn't really matter about the order, because I feel like the movie is kind of put together in a slapdash kind of way. Yeah, what you need to know is that it starts with these prison scenes... Then it does, uh, we meet Amanda Waller, who's this, I don't know what her position is, what agent at large. government agency she's <laughs> affiliated with, but she's pitching, pitch, pitching to these, uh, I don't know, generals, somebody, someone in the government who looks official. Um, there's two, actually there's two back-to-back scenes. First she's in a restaurant pitching the Suicide Squad uh, to the guy from Stranger Things, and then later she's in like a military boardroom pitching the suicide squad and so that gives us more flashbacks and backstory and they put a bunch of text on the screen that you can't possibly read <laughs> you mean the like cg letters that are all flying around like it's a video game character select yeah thing. look at this look at these wacky letters <laughs> stats he's good with all these guns it's like i can't read this why is this so is a substitute for good character <laughs> development <laughs> If you just write it on the screen. <laughs> Which is it's so unnecessary, too, because like all the dialogue in this movie is exposition anyway. <laughs> but, it, but then, after these two back-to-back meetings introducing the characters, then we go back to the prison, and we meet them again. So basically, the first, I don't know, 75 minutes of this movie <laughs> are introducing the characters over and over and over again. Because we get flashbacks, we get where are they now, we get where are they now again. Mm-hmm. It's like you still don't even feel like you get that good of a sense of them because they're trying to cram in too many characters. Yeah, clearly they're biased towards um, Will Smith and, and Harley Quinn uh-huh. yeah. um, because we have the, he's the movie star and she's hot. So <laughs> the, those are the two main ones. And then there's the rest of the team, they kind of interchangeably like develop. Like You don't see Captain Boomerang in jail, but he is in the briefings that Amanda Waller does and then at, at, at like the seventh introduction scene when they all come together for the first time at that military base he's just like in a duffel bag they just open up a duffel bag and he's in it for some reason yeah why does he go to a different prison why does everyone have to be brought like it would be so much easier had all these guys been housed at the same prison 
And then in the same meeting, like, we're going to, like, put you all on a team. But they have to split everything up and add as many extra scenes as possible. Let's get through getting the rest of the characters. we got Will okay. Smith. His thing is he's just a killer guy. There's nothing to him. He's boring. He, he, can, he, he can shoot any, <laughs> any type of gun. And, like, they have that scene at, like, the shooting rage where he's just, like, shooting guys in the Shop head over and over again. It's just, like... Yeah, this isn't interesting <laughs> to watch. He's just shooting everyone. There's the no head. moving targets. It's like, bam, bam, bam. Okay, cool. Oh, he always, always gets a bullseye. Oh, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you got Harley Quinn, who is put in some weird cage in the middle of a room, like this weird Hannibal Lecter-like cage. Where mm-hmm. she does gymnastic stretches, I guess. And it seems like it only exists to give her an advantage to beat up guards whenever they try to go and, like, oh, we've got to bring you over here. And then she'll, like, kind of swing around on like a, like a monkey and, like, hit them. Yep. And another thing is that she's quirky and crazy, and she used to be a doctor, but then she met the Joker, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the Joker in a little bit. And then we got uh, who else? We got? we got Killer Croc. Everyone gets like their own cell that's like perfectly designed to be something they'd enjoy. Croc has like a sewer, and he's just I'm a crocodile man. We're not going to explain it because it's too hard to explain. And I'm <laughs> and then later on in the movie they're like, oh, by the way, he's black, so he's he black. wants BET in his prison cell. <laughs> <laughs> they never talk about that. Like, I had no idea. Like, he's played by a black actor. I had no idea he no was way supposed to be. He's a monster man. Who else is going to that jail? Isn't there? There's got to be one other person. Was it just those three? There's one other, right? El Diablo is at that. Diablo. He was a character that I liked at first, but by the end of the movie, I'm not sure that I liked anymore. His thing is that he's kind of dressed like a like a Mexican gangster, and he can just fire everywhere, super fire, and he's kept in like a tube. Yeah, <laughs> I thought the thing was like he couldn't use his fire in there, but he can still use his fire in there. I guess mm-hmm. it just he more... does. He makes a point of using his fire. Yeah, in there. it's just a visual flare. He probably can't use it to get out. Is the thing? Yeah, he uh, he writes words in the sky with his fire. It's really cool. You guys should see the movie. <laughs> his powers are. I thought his powers were kind of cool, and at least like he kind of made sense for me for a little bit. Where he's like, oh, I don't want to. Like, I'm a reformed criminal now. Mm-hmm. Like, at least he had like a thing. Mm-hmm. So okay, so we got these four people, and then they're like each recruited like twice, and each introduced like twice. Uh-huh. And, and also at that point, Amanda Waller. Not only do we see Captain Boomerang, but she she has uh, her first member of the Suicide Squad, which is the worst archaeologist of all time, <laughs> June Moon. Oh yeah, the villain. Uh, oh yeah, the spoiler spoilers. Uh, yeah, so June Moon is a PhD archaeologist who the first thing we see her do is unearth this ancient tomb, go in there, find a statue, and just twist its head off like a can of Coke, or a bottle of Coke. <laughs> um, real, real great at her job. And that gets her possessed by this ancient evil sorcerer called the Enchantress. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a big deal because Amanda <laughs> Waller has the Enchantress's heart, and so as long as she has that, they they can control the Enchantress. Supposedly, <laughs> supposedly. But we'll get into that. Also, she's played by Cara Devilne, who's like twenty two years old. It's like she's a doctor. <laughs> Are you serious? Little little thing, but come on, she looks like she's like fifteen. <laughs> and then she develops a relationship with one of Amanda Waller's like her like one like good guy. He's not even a superhero, just good guy, guy, army dude, American guy that works under Rick, Rick Flag, Joel Kinnaman. He doesn't seem to have any powers or anything that makes him special. He loves America. <laughs> he has a weird flag on his hat. That's his thing. There's nothing to him. But no. I, the, the, what they, the thing they do give to him is that he falls in love with June Moon for some reason. Because Amanda Waller wanted him to. 
I guess it keeps like keeps her in check, right? I guess. But they don't have to keep her in check. They have to keep Enchantress in check. And they have the heart for that. Yeah, and they do. They go to all the trouble of hiding the statue in like on a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's like it's so easy to start. Well, should we start talking about that, or we gotta go back to this? It's, it's a fucking mess. Let's like let's introduce like there's a couple more people that join the team before there's actually like a plot because I think that the thing that's so weird about this movie is they assemble a team, but you're not really sure what they're going to do yet. <laughs> so the way she justifies it in her pitch meeting is she says. We're all real lucky Superman turned out to be good, and we all like Superman, which is a recent development. Everybody hated Superman until the end <laughs> of Donald Justice oh, yeah. when he died. We dies. forgot to mention how this is related to Batman versus Superman, which I didn't see, so it's, be, it's just weird how Batman just shows up and starts fighting <laughs> Harley Quinn, punches her in the face. In our flashback, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to talk about something, we got to talk about that now. <laughs> See, there's so many weird fucking decisions in this movie. Yeah, Batman's in a couple of the flashbacks fighting some of these criminals. Mm-hmm. You know, not to go off the thing, <laughs> but did you find it unusual in in Deadshot's uh, one of his one of his flashbacks? Mm-hmm. Who he's with his daughter on Christmas, and Batman like takes him in in front of his daughter. Do you think that's weird considering Bruce Wayne's parents were killed right in front of him as a child? It's like, I'm going to ruin this child's life because my life was ruined as it's, a child. He's a psychopath. It's also really weird because it seems like what was happening was that the because the police are like there, so it seems like he was working with the police to arrest Deadshot, which is like, that's not what Batman does. Batman goes, stops crimes like as they're happening he's not he's not doing a sting operation with the police <laughs> to arrest this guy who's going christmas shopping with his daughter he seems like an asshole and then he's then he's in the harley quinn flashback where her and the joker are making a getaway and he goes like the car we gotta, we gotta stop and, and go in a different direction john because you're forgetting like we got to see all the how the Joker tortures Harley Quinn. Right, right. And then they open up a nightclub where they kill Common for no reason. <laughs> Common is in his small role as thug for no reason. <laughs> weird face. Joker has like a club where everyone wears like weird Sigmund, or what are they called? Uh, Sigfried and Roy outfits. Yeah. Was it Sigmund Freud? <laughs> I like to see that. <laughs> Sigmund and Freud. Um, but yeah, well, I guess we get a little bit of Joker. Oh, do we start talking about Joker now? Let's throw him in there. Let's throw him in there because he's not in the movie that much. Joker is Jared Leto good no no <laughs> but why because he's not doing anything different from heath ledger except that he's uh more clean cut i guess and he's got metal teeth <laughs> it's like the same say doing the same vibe but like not as menacing really yeah, not as menacing and also like when i think back to the joker from the dark knight one of the most appealing things about him is he always had like an anecdote or a story but this Joker doesn't... He just kind of barks out commands and is mad. Like, there's nothing interesting... There's no depth there. He never, like, talks about himself or anything specific. Like, what's with all your tattoos? What's with all the crazy suits? Like, what's your deal? Like, who are you? Why should we care? He's just, I'm crazy. And look at my crazy teeth. And, you know, that might be... Supposedly, there's, like, a ton of Joker footage that they just cut out of the movie. So maybe they did cut out, like, all of his character development... But what we see sucks. Yeah. Um, I don't like Jared Leto that much, but I don't really think it's... I think it's probably mostly the writing's fault. He doesn't really have anything to do with the character. That scene with Common, he's like, I want you to 
sleeping with Harley Quinn. Yeah, told you like, like my girlfriend. Common's like, oh, she's your girl. I don't want any beef. And he just goes, you don't want beef? You don't want beef? He doesn't want beef. You don't want beef? And then he shoots him. He didn't want beef. He didn't want beef. <laughs> Back to the flashback where Batman is chasing them. Oh yeah, they're, they've got some red sports cars. They're just I believe it was around. kind of a it was like a fuchsia. It's okay. like a pink purple. It's very important. There's a lot of pink, purple, and neon green. A lot of yeah. rave colors in this movie. Actually, there there could have been more. So there's could there? I <laughs> not a big fan of that color. No, I well, I remember at the end of the movie, it's so desaturated that. After the the thing happens, I was like, "Oh yeah, color." It's all gray <laughs> later in the movie. But in this car chase, uh, Batman chases them down. They crash their car into the water. Yeah, it's worth noting that they don't seem to be doing anything except for driving fast on the road. <laughs> <laughs> they probably did a crime, but we don't need to see that. All we know is they're bad guys. So catch the bad guys. And they crash in the water, and the Joker escapes. And then it's a weird, it's a weird scene for some reason. Like he goes down to rescue Harley Quinn, and he punches her in the face, and. She did try to attack him, but again, it's like that feels so un-Batman to me to punch a woman in the face and have all this blood gushing. Yeah, out of her that's, nose. that's the part. This huge cloud of blood comes out of her mouth. It's just yet another scene. Is why I really don't like what they've done to this Batman. He's so mean and crazy, and a, he's like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's not the the hero Batman that I remember. And then I don't know if he pops up. A, oh, Bruce Wayne, but way later. It's the last Batman well, I thought you should say I don't remember if he pops her again because I remember he does drag her out and he resuscitates her. He does a little CPR. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like she like, goes at him again, but I don't think he punches her that time. Okay, so I think those are all the flashbacks we're going to do for now. So back to putting the team together. I think we could probably jump ahead to when they're all dumped in front of the military guys and start getting all their gear. We can't do that. Oh, we can't. What happens is Rick Flagg and... Uh, Dr. Moon, June Moon, are hanging out in a hotel room, and he's mm. eating chicken wings for some reason. <laughs> he just like looks out a window, and then he like picks up out of frame a piece of chicken. He's American. <laughs> What's he doing? And um, she like shows him a vision of her dying, and he's like, "No, I can't lose you. We've been together for a week." <laughs> um, and so she's like, "Well, you gotta help me." Then they're in a subway. <laughs> no, they just get there. It's like no explanation. Um, and they have this. Jesus Christ! They have this bomb. <laughs> they have this bomb. What are they trying to bomb? I don't know. Um, who has the bomb? They have the bomb. They have a bomb with a two-second timer on it. I don't remember. I don't remember either. They're trying to blow something up. This movie always seems like. They cut out the scenes where they explained why they were going to do something. It just cuts to them doing something. It's like, what? Wait, what? What did they? What are they doing this? So anyway, so she turns into enchantress. She's gonna teleport, put this bomb somewhere, <laughs> and then teleport back. But instead, uh, she leaves them with the bomb, and she goes to this subway bathroom. And uh, no, she's stolen the statue from Amanda Waller's house. It was just on a shelf. It wasn't like at the Pentagon or in some safe. No, it wasn't even in a safe. It was, it was on a shelf. Closet, yeah. <laughs> um, so she takes this other statue and goes to the subway bathroom and cracks it open. And this poor guy is there, and she like pours a, a statue juice into this guy. Statue juice. Uh, and he turns into a giant fireman. I think his name was Incubus. 
like that great band great great band and he starts becoming this weird god and then what I love is he like runs out into the subway and has to like run into like five other guys <laughs> like, it's like two other guys two other he guys. like wraps them into his madness and then he's like you're a part of me and then he gets run over by the subway <laughs> and the next scene you see him he's a di- giant demon man mm-hmm. well I guess is as big as three regular men it's like I get getting run over by the subway because it's just I'm so strong I can be hit by a subway and not die. But it's like why did you need to grab two dudes before you became the super god? It's like I'm becoming something. <laughs> Come on, guys! <laughs> I like to think he had to grab those two guys to get the extra height because the That's character's like I eight believe. feet tall. <laughs> so he had to get some extra it's height. Accumulating mass. Accumulating mass by just grabbing two random. <laughs> what happened to this guy? They probably died. Yeah. A lot of people die in this movie, or they're just like inside his body. So they're now, trapped. So now you have Enchantress and Incubus, and they're going. Their plot is they're mad that people don't worship them anymore mm-hmm. because people are people worship machines these days. <laughs> so like we're gonna build a machine. We're gonna build a machine. <laughs> Um, I didn't remember any of that. That, okay. <laughs> that definitely happened. And I'll tell you about the machine when we get to it, if we can ever unravel this plot that far. Okay. Um, so I Amanda, mean, I'm understanding it more right now than I did when I was watching. <laughs> so Amanda Waller that. hears that this has happened, right? And she immediately turns around and she stabs the heart like 50 times with like a pencil. Nothing. Nothing. Um, and so the other statue guy, like, gives part of his heart or something to Enchantress yeah. to keep her going. Right. And that lets her change from her costume. And since instead of being all muddy, she's like in a revealing outfit. So she can start doing a hula dance. Yeah, she's like, she still looks like a belly dancer the rest of the movie. Like when she's Enchantress, she's like all looks like this weird raggedy witch, but then she becomes a belly dancer and she never stops dancing, it seems like, in all her scenes. So they start building their machine in the center of uh, this town that's not Gotham or Metropolis. I think they said it was Midway yes, City. Yes, it was Midway. Um... So, the Suicide Squad team has been pitched. Government guys like, it's time for the Suicide Squad team. They take all these people out of prison. They put them... And again, they like fight the guard. Even though they've all been pitched the Suicide Squad thing, and they've all been told like they're going to get a bunch of stuff if they do these missions, they still like fight the guards a bit before they go there. I, I think we mentioned that Harley Quinn is injected with a needle at least three times before they actually start the, the mission. That's so much unpleasant shit done to her um so they're on the base uh we also meet at this point slipknot who can climb anything <laughs> he's terrible <laughs> yeah he's, he just walks into the scene and you're like oh another guy hey guys it's me slipknot oh okay um they have crates of costumes and weapons for each of the characters and it's like their stuff their gear mm-hmm. um play eminem too <laughs> But guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, I don't even know if we need to talk about the soundtrack, which is really irritating. But like, maybe we could just skip over that. It's it just so has bad. a million pop songs in it, and they're all songs you've heard a million times in other movies. And it's like, why did they trailers. do it? I guess they were like going for a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, but they didn't realize that there was kind of a theme to that movie's soundtrack and its use of pop songs. But they're just like. These are the, these are songs that people know. Okay. Anyways, that's so, that's enough for the soundtrack. The, Back to the confusing okay, plot. So the team is finally together. They got Rick Flag. He's in charge. Amanda Waller's on an iPad. She says, "Okay, you've all been injected with bombs in your necks. 
you ha- you have to keep Rick Fag alive, and you have to obey our, our orders. Yeah, Rick or, Fag, am I right? <laughs> good one. <laughs> or, the, or they'll blow up the bombs in your neck, and you die instantly. And I guess that's legal for some reason. You're criminal, Sean. Uh, Do whatever you want to him. <laughs> Strap him in a chair, hit him with a needle. And um, and she also says your mission is to go to Midway City and rescue this VIP and bring him back. And that's all I know. They go on a helicopter. And just as it's about to take off, another character runs up and hops on the helicopter. And it's Katana. Who oh, yeah, another <laughs> character. But she's not a bad guy. She's not a bad guy. She has a sword that can suck out your soul, I guess. I love it because it's so casual. It's like, oh, yeah, she has a sword that sucks out souls. Every time you hear something really crazy, it's like, well, let's not get into it. We have other stuff to do. It's like, wait, what? Soul soul sword? A lot of magic in this. That's, a, that's like one thing that's so confusing about this movie, too, uh, going back to the fact that she's not a villain, mm-hmm. is it's like, so the, the Suicide Squad, you think you get criminals for a mission that only criminals would do, but mm-hmm. there's also like good guys that are in there, and then there's just like regular army guys that are there, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do they need to be prisoners at all? And that gets even more confusing once you find like the scope of the conflict as it kind of develops, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, so that, they get in these, these these big copter things, and they go to Midway, which is already, like, practically... Wrecked, and you can see there's the giant beam mm-hmm. leading up. Of course, it's a action movie with a big budget, so it has a giant beam of light heading of up to the sky, and there's a circle of rubble orbiting around it. I think we all mentioned that this is, like, the weirdest timing for a beam in the sky in a movie we've ever seen. Because usually that's something that happens, like, at the end of a movie. But here it's, like... It's like an hour in. It's like, did we already get the beam in the sky? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it doesn't give the movie any urgency because mm-hmm. like, they already have the beam and nobody seems to be especially worried about it. I was always really confused on like when was the villain's plan supposed to escalate. So they're building a machine that's going to kill a bunch of people, but I guess it's also going to help them rule or something. Mm-hmm. But it's like, when is that going to happen? And what do they need to do to make that happen? And I will get to that if we can manage to unravel the plot far enough that we get to that point. <laughs> um, so they're flying in their helicopters mm-hmm. into the city, and they get shot down. By who? Nobody knows. Nobody will ever know who oh, shot yeah. down those helicopters. Let <laughs> down. And it's the first of many, many helicopters that we will see get shot down, and everyone survives. <laughs> <laughs> like you know just like falling down um so they're shot down and uh the suicide squad gets out also there's like a ton of army guys with them and all the army guys always go first it's like wasn't the point of suicide squad is they're expendable you can just put them forth and it doesn't matter if they die because you know you think can blow up their heads at any minute mm-hmm. anyways the army guys are always leading the pack but then but early on as they're just walking around Captain Boomerang is talking to Slipknot. Mm-hmm. He's like, these are just mind games. <laughs> and it's like, let's get the hell out of here. Something's like, okay. Yeah, they use his climbing ability, and it's these stupid ropes that he like, shoots out of like a fanny pack. It's like, vroom. It's sweet. I'm all bad. It's my favorite part of the whole movie. Like, they said he can climb anything. It's like, of course he can climb anything. He's got a fucking grappling hook in his, in his fanny pack. It's like, that's his thing? He has yeah. a fanny pack. Um... And what sucks about that is it's not even like, it's not even played like Captain Boomerang was trying to trick Slipknot to like find out for if for sure, mm-hmm. because he also tries to escape and he's just stopped by Katana. So, like it's just oh he he wasn't as good at escaping yeah, as Slipknot was. Dumb. Anyway, so Slipknot grappling hooks up once and then he gets his head exploded. It's not very like exciting or anything either. His head pops off, boom, and then falls over. That could have been like a really scary like 
oh, holy crap moment. It was like, Plop is like, oh, he died when he tried to escape. Let's oh, keep moving. The one guy who hasn't had a bunch of flashbacks, the one guy who nobody talked about ever is dead. Yeah. Like, I, like, I understand having a character that they're, that they're, they're just using to show, like, okay, we mean business. Mm-hmm. But it's like, at least make that, that reveal scary. It's like, it's so casual. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. Someone's going to have their head blown up. Nobody cares. In a movie with already too many characters and so many of them are forgettable, like, why add someone else when you could have just killed off any of the other members of the team? And it would have meant so much more to kill off somebody that we'd spent so much time introducing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, fuck, they're gonna, they'll kill off like a, a character we got to know. Hey, this thing called a Suicide Squad might actually have people <laughs> die. Yeah, but no. So we have our first major fight scene of the movie. It's versus... The Putty Patrol. Putty Patrol. These, I, I think they... The, what we saw later is that Enchantress like kisses dudes mm-hmm. and they turn into putty people. They're kind of like rock men, kind of like Ash. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really their design is really ugly and boring. Mm-hmm. There's like big globs of gray. Ugly and boring. Also, how I would describe the first fight <laughs> sequence in this movie, where they're just standing in a street, uh, shooting at them with guns. And it's not just a Suicide Squad. There's like 50 army guys that are also doing fine. I mean, they're not winning, but they're do- they're holding their own for the most part. And it- then you realize, wow, this Will Smith character, like, he's not a very interesting, like, ability. He shoots people. Mm-hmm. Everyone just kind of shoots people or punches people. The only character that's any has an interesting power is Diablo, who refuses to use his powers till way later. So you're like, oh, come on, just use your fire powers. It's like, no, I say I'm not using my power. <laughs> and so that sucks, because nobody really has, like, a good power. And that's another thing that pisses me off, is they keep talking about, like, oh, we stop metahumans with metahumans. But, like, n- barely anyone has powers mm-hmm. on the team. There's only, I mean, the most powerful person on the team immediately turned against the team. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, here's just people who have, like, fun gadgets. They don't really have powers. Mm-hmm. I guess Cat Boomerang can throw a boomerang really well. <laughs> But he doesn't really have to. Like, a lot of the times, he's just fighting pretty up close. With close con- he's just, like, stat. They're just basically knives. It sucks. Yeah. You never really get a good scene of him throwing his boomerang and, like, them using it in a creative way. I think of how, like, in Avengers movies, there's always a fun way you see Captain America use his shield. It'll, like, ricochet across mm-hmm. walls and hit guys in the back of the head. This is just, like, you'll throw it and you don't see it come back. You don't see it go around. You'll just, he'll just throw it and maybe it'll kill somebody. <laughs> That's the first thing you see him do, which we didn't even talk about his flashback, which is he's robbing oh, a yeah. bank. ACDC uh, music is playing. He's Australian. And the guy he's robbing the bank with, uh, he decides to betray. And so he hits him with a boomerang. And that's, it bones me out. He throws the boomerang and hits the guy in the head. And the boomerang just falls down. Because, like, of course the boomerang can't come back to him if he hits the guy in the head. But it's like, you could have thrown anything at a person and hit it. And, like, what's the point of it being a boomerang? And then the flash shows up for two seconds. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He's like, no honor among thieves, huh? And then gone out of the movie. <laughs> Wait, what Flash was it? Was it like the TV show Flash? Is or is it like a Flash that's going to be in a future DC so movie? So this is what's confusing about DC. is The CW <laughs> shows are connected to each other. So that's Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl. Yeah. But then there's also Gotham, separate universe. Okay, because it's not Fox. And then there's... Um, Supergirl? No, Supergirl's in the CW-verse. Oh, you already mentioned that one? Yeah. Um, and uh, there's Damage Control now, too, which I think is also a third... Yeah, it's TV on NBC universe. <laughs> All of those are separate from the old DC animated universe, which I think is still going in some bizarre form, and the DC extended universe, which are the movies. Um, so that's just Man of Steel, 
uh, Dawn of Justice and this movie, and then Wonder Woman's coming out this year, and then we'll have Justice League. All great films. So Ezra Miller is the Flash. We also saw him uh, in Dawn of Justice because there's the part in Dawn of Justice where they watch movie trailers. Okay. <laughs> uh, and there's also a part in Dawn of Justice where Batman is having a dream. And the Flash shows up and he goes, Oh, am I too early? It's like a time travel dream. That's funny. Funny joke in too funny fast. movie. I can't wait till we talk I about the, the joke in Suicide Squad. I can't remember what it was. Let's talk Should about that. Should I talk that. about it right now? It's I don't really care about talking about the middle fighting portion you know, of this well, movie. The thing it's is, so the fucking thing is, boring. The order of this mo- talking about the order of this movie doesn't matter because it feels so out of order to begin with. But sure. like this movie has like one joke, and it's Ike Barinholtz being like, like Deadshot's like, I'm gonna kill you. He's like, Oh, somebody go clear my browser. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one joke. Back to boring shit. Sorry, Colin. We're almost through uh, the woods here. Yeah, and the other thing about the fight scenes that I wanted to mention is that like, we know Harley Quinn is crazy, mm-hmm. and Amanda Waller yeah. says she's even crazier than the Joker, which makes her more dangerous than the Joker. Right. Um, all she does is hit people with a baseball bat. She has a mallet, but she never uses it. Yeah. I think she has a gun, too. Where is she keeping the mallet, yeah, by the way? Is it an <laughs> inflatable mallet? She's not wearing pants. Yeah, she's barely wearing a shirt. Don't know about that one, guys. And she's really pre- preoccupied this whole time because she's trying to reconnect with the Joker. And she has a cell phone that she always hides. Where? <laughs> and it's Where? also like you're always surrounded by like, like 50 soldiers. How does no one be like, hey, yeah. she's got a phone? No one, no one sees it. And there, I mean, yeah, like at, while this is all going on, like the Joker is also breaking into that prison and taking control of the brain exploding device and finding out where she is and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just there to get Harley Quinn back. That's all he's doing. Yeah, because in uh, and you know that's actually a nice change because most of the time I feel like the Joker doesn't give a shit about Harley Quinn. <laughs> so at least it's nice that it's not a one way romance in this. Yeah. Okay, so am I, am I skipping anything if I go right to when they reconnect with Amanda Waller? You're not skipping anything if you skip the whole movie. <laughs> Diablo eventually decides to use his fire on the putties. Yeah, because uh-huh. Deadshot's like, you fucking pussy. <laughs> he doesn't say that. I, Harley Quinn actually says pussies a lot. That's her thing. It's like, pussies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny because she has one. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm a girl and I'm tougher than you guys. It's oh. like, can she do that? <laughs> also, I don't know. <laughs> also, there's a scene where Deadshot and Harley Quinn are talking, and she's like, I really love the Joker. And he's like, I don't love anyone. <laughs> okay. Thanks for it's like, you don't this. sleep like a kitten if you get caught up on stupid shit like love. It's like, don't you have a daughter that you love? Do you not love her? Is that not real love? Are we just talking about, like, like it was when Harley Quinn asked, like, Deadshot. I keep wanting to say Deadpool. But she asked Deadshot, <laughs> like, have you ever loved anyone? Does she just mean, like, do you ever get a boner? Like, is it just talking <laughs> sexual mode? Because, like, of course he loves. It's so lame how he's like, I don't love. Maybe he's just saying that. Well, and but he's also, yeah, he's totally one of those characters that, like, everything I do is for my daughter, right? Like, when they, uh, when they're pitching him the Suicide Squad, like, all he lists is stuff he wants for his daughter, yeah. right? Yeah, good life for her. But he's like, I don't care about anyone. <laughs> It's like, no, you care about your daughter. <laughs> really flies in the face of everything we know about Really her. inconsistent. I also hate that scene where Harley Quinn ditches him because she, like, disables her head blowy uppy thingy. <laughs> and she, like, gets in an elevator in a building, and then they all meet up with her at the top floor, and she's like, oh, hey, guys. Like, oh, we're all reunited again, even though she's trying to escape. It's like, how did everyone else get up there so fast? 
I don't know. It's like she took an elevator. She took an elevator, and she killed people on the elevator. So there were clearly bad guys between where they were and where they were going. <laughs> because this movie always cuts out the stuff that explains the, like the next thing that happens. <laughs> it's like we're in this place. How did we get here? I don't know. We didn't shoot the scene where we get there. We're just there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of just there, Killer Croc is just there. Oh yeah. He's always just like. <laughs> they even make a joke in the new. The Lego Batman movie where Killer Croc does something. He's like, I helped. <laughs> Sounds much more developed. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also even a line in the Lego Batman movie where we're like, what, are we going to get a bunch of villains to fight some other villains? That's a stupid idea. Oh, <laughs> sick burn. There are so many sick burns. I love yeah. it. So Amanda Waller, they reconnect right. with her. Yes, so they get to where they were going to pick up the VIP. And Rick Flagg's like, everybody stay outside. I'm going to go in and uh, get the VIP. Mm-hmm. He goes in there, and it's, it turns out it's the giant FBI. They're in some tower, but it yeah. turns out that it was the giant FBI room was in this tower. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Amanda Waller's like, all right, let's go. And she kills all these FBI guys who are in there with her. For no reason. Well, she's like, like we talked about stuff they're not supposed to know. So you did? What? Why didn't you like? You guys got to leave the room. We're gonna talk about some like stuff that's important. But, what are you talking about? The Suicide Squad? The, the people that are saving the city? They're right not now? supposed to know about the Suicide Squad. So trying to kill them. They're like walking down Main Street. Yeah. It shows that she's tough. She's no nonsense, Sean. <laughs> Such brutally murders <laughs> innocent people, um, and then comes out. And everyone's, like, pissed because they thought they were just saving some random person. And they hate the fact that they're actually saving somebody that they know. Yeah. Um, and also, at that point, I was pissed because, like, oh, well, you're not really doing anything about what Enchantress is doing. Um, so they're up, then they're up on the roof. That's when the Joker shows up. Yeah, he's wearing a tuxedo for some reason. Uh, he's, in, he's in a helicopter. He picks up Harley. They fly away, they shoot down the helicopter, everybody lives, Harley joins the team. Well, at first, Amanda Waller's like, dead shot, you gotta shoot. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And, but, but so, what's so weird about this is, so he does a thing where he's like, oh, I missed. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you never missed. But the thing is, like, okay, so you've built, like, a relationship with all these characters. I thought you didn't love anyone. I thought love was the distraction <laughs> from, like, you doing your job, was building relationships with people. You've been with these people for, what, like, half a day, and, like, these are my these are my brothers and yeah, sisters. Yeah, but he doesn't want to bone them, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why do you care? Just do it. Like, because she's like, you gotta do this. Like, it's like, or, like, it's your job. Like, he's got a lot riding on this. Like, if he doesn't do this mission, one, he'll get killed. Mm-hmm. Too, like he's not getting all this stuff for his daughter, but it's like me and Harley Quinn are such good friends. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not buying that he missed. But anyways, he misses, and like you said, the plane goes down, but she's okay. She's okay. Joker's also okay, but we don't see that yet. Mm-hmm. Then they get on another. They put uh, Amanda Waller on another helicopter. Yeah, that helicopter also gets shot down. <laughs> she lives, uh, but she gets captured and brought back to Enchantress. Um, and so now Enchantress has her heart back. Mm-hmm. And I can finally explain to you guys, she also is able to tap into Amanda Waller's brain. And she uses the machine that they're building to cripple the United States military. And how do we know that? Well, because the U.S. military guys are like watching on TV and they say, oh, our most important satellite got blown up. <laughs> oh, a random battleship got the blown up. The most important random battleship. Uh, and a lot of people on the internet would point out, like, 
they have a camera feed pointed at their most important satellite, mm-hmm. which means they have another satellite that's like right there. <laughs> <laughs> Their second most important satellite. <laughs> I didn't even... I totally missed that brain thing. I didn't get that at all. Yeah, I don't even remember. I didn't understand the machine, but I do remember them like finally being able to use it to blow up important things like satellites and battleships <laughs> and whatever else they were going to do. <laughs> so and the then, Suicide Squad, um, they're like, well, Amanda Waller got taken. She's probably dead. We give up. Let's go to a bar. Because they're all such good friends. Now. They're all such good friends. This is where we learned Diablo's backstory. Yeah. It's like, I was so pissed that I killed everyone somehow. He, yeah, he pulled a Manchester by the seat. <laughs> but, like, I don't really get it, because it's like, was he mad at his kids, too, or just mad at his wife? He just mad at his wife? He's just mad at his wife, but he lost his control so much, he burned down the whole house. But it's weird, because it, like, shows him, like, burn out the house, and then he's, like, holding his wife, and she just turns to ash in his hands. Like, mm-hmm. what did you do? Or he's just, hands are so hot, she just blew up? <laughs> How did you kill everybody? So, it's like, I find it hard to believe he has, like, he can't control his powers that much. They just make some fire explosion. And that's that, that's too bad, because I think, I think Diablo is a character that I, I wanted, like, almost liked, because he's, like... I, I like that he's like, oh, my thing is I'm not going to fight. And then he kind of has a backstory that I feel like makes kind of sense. But then I feel like that ruins it because it's, so, it's just so weird. It's like, you just killed everybody just with a flame bomb? Like, I don't get it. I do like while he's telling it, he's making a little fire lady on his hand. <laughs> and then he puts a glass over it and she suffocates. I was like, that's clever. That's the most clever thing in the whole movie. Because <laughs> he's got powers. Like, can't we have more people with powers? Nah. nah, 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 nah. Fuck people with powers. I don't know if this is a good point to bring up to, or maybe this is something we should bring up near the end, is the fact that why are they doing this and not Superman? You want to bring that up well, a little bit? Well, Superman's later? dead, but why is Batman well, You know what I mean, though. Like, why it. the big heroes yeah. aren't doing this? Because I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. I want to talk about the whole purpose of the Ming Suicide Squad. I feel like that's more of a... Let's get the rest of the plot out of the way. We're almost done. We're almost done. They go drinking. They're like, all right, well, we got to try to do this anyway, just because... Because we're the Suicide Squad. Yeah, so well, I guess for the first time, it's like we actually have a suicide mission, which is try to kill the Enchantress and her brother. Uh, and so they split up into two teams. Uh, a bunch of forgettable nobodies, and Killer Croc goes swimming under where the Enchantress is, and everyone else it just goes straight in. More boring killing of goons. This is also the part of the movie where I realized Scott Eastwood was in it. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a, he's a random soldier that does nothing. He's, he's pretty it. much in like every scene, but he's just such a generic looking white guy. He stands there with the gun. He's like, "Is that Clint Eastwood's son?" Hey, it is. <laughs> Maybe. Oh yeah, it is. There's also a scene where Katana kneels down and cries into her sword for some reason. I don't know. Well, she you no, she said her husband was in the sword. Yeah, but so. why is she crying? That's the weird thing. It's like, why now? Like. Did you kill your husband? Why is he in your sword? Because they explain the sword is she kills people and their souls become into the sword. Why is your husband in there? Mm-hmm. But I think it's just so like, oh, like these people aren't just like superheroes and like villains. They're like people. But, but we again, didn't take that much time to set that up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this is good enough, right? You can't just have like a dramatic moment and like pretend like it means something. <laughs> like it's really important if we don't know anything about the person. <laughs> So that's dumb. She's totally used. Like, uh, I think at the end we should like trim who they actually could have had and who they should have cut out. 
Probably most people. So one last thing before the final battle, which is when they get into the room with the Enchantress, um, she shows them their fantasy and says, I can make anything possible for you. And so this is a great test to see how much we know about the characters. So we get to see what their fantasies are and if they check out with, with what we know about the characters. So first is Deadshot, and we see that he's... Uh, he had killed Batman, and he's reunited with a daughter, and he's, he's got a happy family life. And we see Harley Quinn, and she and the Joker are, they have, they have none of the makeup, they look like their regular selves, and they have like a family and a kid, and that, that's her fantasy, just being a, a housewife, I guess, yeah. with the Joker. I guess. And then, uh, I think we see Rick Flagg as well, right? Isn't Rick Flagg reunited with Dr. Moon yes. in his fantasy? And then, oh boy, what are the fantasies for the rest of the Suicide Squad? What are they going to be? Actually, we don't ever get to know. <laughs> because Diablo at this point interrupts and says, like, I, like I'm the devil, bitch. I would never fall for this trick. <laughs> Is this where he becomes superpowered? And... and <laughs> The, they start fighting with Enchantress's brother because Enchantress is still busy doing She's too busy dancing. dance to keep the machine going. <laughs> um, they uh, rescue Amanda Waller, they're, but they're losing the fight against the giant brother, um, and so He's so tall. <laughs> and so somehow Diablo turns himself into a giant flaming skeleton man, mm-hmm. an Aztec warrior. Um, That's right. As you pointed out, Colin, Mm -hmm. I couldn't. I was like, "Oh, why is he a tiki guy?" It's like, no, he's an Aztec warrior. Oh, that makes sense. But like, it's okay. Like, we know so little about his powers. Like, so he can turn into another life form. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you're just springing this at us in the last like 15 minutes. What the fuck is this? And you know, maybe this is like a huge payoff for like Diablo fans. Like, maybe that's like that's Diablo's thing. He can become super Aztec warrior. I don't know, man. Really, I was thinking like maybe it was something that he could only do once, and it would like kill him because he's like slowly turning more skeletal as he's fighting him. But then he just turns back into a regular guy. You just do that all the time. You're super powerful. (laughs) It's not explained like if it's harder for him to do. Or what? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, anyway, they're losing the fight, uh, but he does that, and he pins the brother down, and he rips out the brother's heart, because we know it's all about hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the underwater team puts their bomb under them, and Diablo tells them they got to blow it up anyway. By the way, it's not Killer Croc that sets the bomb. Killer Croc is just down there swimming around, having a good time. He's only doing anything important <laughs> down there. <laughs> It's just maybe it was Scott Eastwood that said it. Was just one he of had to guys. have done something important. Why would they have cast someone of notable ancestry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So they blow up the bomb, and the brother is dead, but so is Diablo. We finally have an actual member of the team dead, and of course, it's like the only guy who actually has superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um. So then they have to fight Enchantress. It's another boring meaningless fight mm-hmm. but she's also like join me yeah so after they fight for a little bit she's like let's stop fighting why don't you guys join me and harley quinn does this thing where she's like actually it sounds like a pretty good deal and she like saunters up to enchantress um but then she grabs katana's sword and slices out enchantress's heart so she has to turn back into dirty witch version dirty witch version and um at some point, didn't didn't Flag get the heart? Flag gets the heart, but I think I'm I'm forgetting when um, there's the part where they throw the the bomb into the machine, right? And um, Deadshot blows up that bomb. So I have no idea. So the machine. bomb is supposed to destroy the machine. Yeah, 
Why didn't they just drop a bomb to begin with? Why didn't they need to put a bomb underneath? Why didn't they just come by with another... Maybe because they're afraid... If we send another helicopter, it's got to get shot down. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you just get a plane and drop a bomb? Like, like everyone's already dead in anyway. Like, Steel and in Dawn of Justice. Both those movies, they're like, immediately, send the nuke plane. They're just out of bombs at that point, because they used them all up. Um, so we got to do a, put a bomb in the sewer, I guess. Let's put it under the giant thing in the sky. So Enchantress is <laughs> has the best line in the movie because uh, Rick Flag is holding her heart, and he says, "Give me back Doctor Moon, or I will just crush your heart." Mm-hmm. She says, "You don't have the balls." <laughs> A six thousand year old ancient deity who has only existed in the modern world for. A day or two. But it's a joke. Says, you don't have the balls. She wasn't even speaking in English until very late in the movie. I like that the, this movie's like idea of humor is people just say stuff like bitch or balls or pussy. Mm-hmm. That's the joke. It doesn't matter how you say it, as long as you get that word in there, because words are funny. It's naughty. Naughty. These are, not, these are bad guys. <laughs> these these, are, these bad are bad guys. guys. Are they really that bad, though? Give me that in a minute. Sean, you're, you're going? Yeah, Rick Flag <laughs> destroys the heart, and... We think, oh, another member of the Suicide Squad has died. It's Enchantress, even though she's been basically the main enemy of the Suicide Squad for its entire existence. But then, nope, Dr. Moon comes out like Sigourney Weaver at the end of Ghostbusters. She was in the husk the entire time. Just peel off the face. <laughs> um, and then Will Smith gets to visit his kid again, but then he has to go back to jail because he's still on the Suicide Squad. Um, so, before we talk about what happened to everyone else at the end so the heart thing it's so weird that it's like if we just like smush it between your hands <laughs> that takes care of it because it's like they stabbed it like 800 times mm-hmm. how's that not effective or why didn't they do more to it why didn't they just they kept stabbing it like they had the heart for a long time they never thought of how to actually destroy the heart <laughs> an act of desperation he stabbed it with a pencil but that wasn't good enough not good enough not good enough to stab because like if, if, it's, if we're talking about real human hearts you have to crush it between your hands if you stab it ten times you're going to be fine right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Will Smith gets to see his daughter Harley Quinn everyone, go, everyone basically goes back to jail Harley Quinn gets like a cappuccino or espresso machine everybody gets something nice except for Captain Boomerang who wasn't in this jail originally and now he just gets a shitty cell and he gets nothing I didn't get that so I know that he had like was in prison for life but I assumed everyone was Mm -hmm. so what did he do that's worse is it because he kept trying to leave the team because he didn't well you know it's weird I feel like there's a part where he leaves the team but then he's just back in the the slow motion walk scene just get it John a boomerang it always comes back (laughs) I don't think that's what they meant though (laughs) that would be too clever on their part. But it's like, is this thing is just he's so much worse that he gets the worst treatment? It's it's really I don't understand why he like at the end of the movie, it's like Killer Croc has his TV with BET, so he's happy, and like Will Smith got only got to see his daughter, but he also got like a punching bag, uh, so he can he has another outlet for his rage, his <laughs> endless rage. Harley Quinn's got the espresso machine. Um I think that's everyone that's still alive. Yeah, I mean, who cares about, like, whatever happened to that samurai woman? Yeah, well, I mean, she wasn't in jail. She wasn't a bad guy. She wasn't who a cares? bad guy. She just went to go cry over her sword. <laughs> but then you see Kevin Boomerang, he's just, like, banging on his no! wall. Like, no! It's like, poor guy. It's kind of upsetting. Like, and not, like, I don't know if that was their intention. Maybe it was. He's one of the more likable guys on the team. <laughs> anyway, then the Joker shows up. 
because the SWAT team blows up the jail cell, and the guy wearing a SWAT outfit, but instead of SWAT, it says Joker. <laughs> That's his name. He's a Joker. And he, he's there to rescue Harley Quinn, and then the movie's over. The Q21 Pilots, Heathens. Best song ever. And then you're like, boo! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I wrote down like a couple notes, not in any particular order that we can talk about. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on is they didn't really seem that bad to me, but like like the thing is that these were bad guys and they basically became good guys pretty early on. Mm-hmm. The only way you know they're bad guys is because they keep going like, we're bad guys, remember? And I think the problem with that kind of um, is intertwined with my next problem is why was this a mission for villains? <laughs> because, like, we understand, like, a suicide mission is you go in and, you know, like, you don't think you're going to come back or mm-hmm. there's a g- good chance. But it basically becomes of, like, a it's an end of the world. If you don't do it, everyone dies. So it's like, where the fuck is Flash? Where the fuck is Batman? Batman is in this movie multiple times. He has a post credit scene mm-hmm. where, I don't know, he's like, I'm going to do Justice League, I guess. I don't remember <laughs> what it was. It's, it's just Bruce Wayne. It's like, where are you guys? Because, like, in Avengers movies, they always come up with a reason. It's like, like, oh, well, they can't do this because they're doing this. Or, mm-hmm. like, this isn't, like, a big enough thing for them. Like, mm-hmm. if it's Ant-Man or something. But it's like, this is the end of the world. Where is everybody? And why are we getting bad guys to do it? But bad guys that were like, if you fuck this up, they're going to blow you up, even though you're our only hope. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other thing. They're supposed to be totally expendable, but they do so much to protect them and keep them alive and demonstrate their value. Like, what? It just doesn't make sense. Conceptually, the movie doesn't make sense. What kind of, just hypothetically speaking, what kind of mission do you think they could have given these characters that would have made more sense? Maybe, like, if you'd made up, like, a fake country or fake organization that has, like, an island or, like, a base that they have to infiltrate that's, like, it's a suicide mission. It's got lots of home alone traps but murder. And that also fits based on, like, the setup early in the movie where they, they talk about, like, this is going in the the, the World War Three is going to be fought by superhumans, right? The, the, they say something like that. Yeah, I think they kept saying metahumans. Uh, right. Um, and so, I, like, if they're if they're doing something that like Batman and Wonder Woman wouldn't do because it's just a military operation that helps the United States and they they save people, they not they don't start fights like that would have worked. They could have also had them actually do something against Superman or Batman, but no. Yeah. They fight one of their own teammates and spend most of their time, most of the movie, saving their own boss who's just in a bunker that a helicopter flies to very easily. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have two more uh, questions. Okay, so let's say, like, we can't change, like, what the main thread or the plot is. How could, with what was shot, do you think you can make it a, not a good movie, but a better movie? Is there something you could do to make it better with the pieces you have. Is there a good is there a, sl- a slightly better movie in there? If you cut stuff <laughs> or rearrange stuff. I don't know that there is without coming up with new scenes. Well, I think what some people might say is that it's it's a mistake to try to do a team up movie as the first movie because everyone deserves their own origin story. And I think those people are really, really wrong. Because we've seen all sorts of team-up movies throughout... Hit- I mean, not just Super... Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy is the easy example. But, I mean, Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, uh, Ocean's Eleven. Like, there have been all sorts of great team-up movies that are... 
plot-centric and just give you enough character that they each make sense, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Sorcerer did that. He's one vignette for each character, and then they're a team for the rest of the movie. Um, But they kept trying to... They couldn't decide if they were trying to set up a Harley Quinn Joker movie or a new Will Smith action movie or a team-up with goofy characters. It's just a mess. So I guess you could have streamlined it to make it less confusing um, but then you run into the fundamentally this just is a bad story <laughs> yeah it is like I never understood was there so was there a purpose for the suicide squad before Enchantress went crazy like no right they were mm-hmm. just like we just need to put a team just in case <laughs> Superman is already dead and it's like you said earlier Sean there's no like there's no, like, drive to, like, get things going. It's, like, everything, they can take as much time as they need most of the time. <laughs> there's there's no impending threat. Okay, and then possibly my hardest question. Is there anything in this movie you liked? Because I think there's probably a few things that I made. I'm like, okay. Like, I mentioned that I kind of liked Harley Quinn. I'm trying to remember you said you didn't. Why didn't you, why did you not like Harley Quinn? Or, or yeah. I just don't get what she adds to the team mm-hmm. I don't know why she's there like I'm not gonna it does seem like she kind of just complicates everything <laughs> by being there like. so I did some online reading to, to try to see what people who liked this movie liked um, and when they talk about Harley Quinn they say that her power is her ability to manipulate people that's her superpower and so she manipulates Deadshot into... He's not capable of loving anyone, but he cares enough about her to not just shoot her dead when she's on the helicopter. But he already loved. <laughs> and she manipulates Enchantress enough to let her get close to her, and then she cuts out her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's dumb. I don't yeah, know. that fucking sucks. I don't know. I like her. I think she's a little <laughs> over-sexualized, but I think... She's extremely... I like the I voice. would not use a little. Very much so. She's like she, pole dancing and wearing booty shorts. But I feel like the, the performance at least has some energy to it. Mm-hmm. She's, like, doing as much as she can, Margot mm-hmm. Robbie. She's putting a lot into it, which is more than I could say for most of the characters. Even Will Smith. People say, oh, Will Smith's good. It's like, well, he's not bad, but he doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> after the after the part where he... Or maybe it's before. The, at the shooting range. Besides the stupid part where he's just shooting targets, mm-hmm. I feel like the dialogue is pretty solid in that scene. Okay. <laughs> one one scene that has a solid... Like, well, one like what, two minute scene, one minute scene that has some solid dialogue. There's, there's a part where he's like, you know, if my daughter can't get into cool into a good school, I need you guys to white people that shit so she can get in. And like yeah. that that works for a Will Smith little speech. Yeah, it's very bad boys. <laughs> I think I kind of liked some of the flashbacks visuals, visual mm-hmm. presentation, not what they are representing, but some of the visuals. But that's so lost by the middle and end of the movie. It's just the rest of the movie is just gray. Mm-hmm. There's some like flashy, like oh look at all these colors, oh it's like a rave, but then just everything's fucking black and gray. It's an ugly movie. Anything else I liked? Um, Lots of great music. No, no, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, some good music in theory. It's just not used well. Uh, it's just there. I mean, they clearly didn't have these songs in mind when they were shooting the movie. Oh, uh, they played part of Bohemian Rhapsody at the end column. It's like the best song ever. Yeah, but it's been famously used in a movie before. Much, much better. There's got to be one other thing that's good in this. No, I can't think of anything. Mm, 
really struggling. One one thing we were talking about going into this movie is okay, there's no way it can be worse than Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. and I think it is worse. It's, it's a total mess. Dawn of Justice is an incredibly like bloated movie that's spending too much time setting up other things, but at least it has some moments that are pretty spectacular. <laughs> like they're like like beautiful moments, and there's a there's a lot of those in that movie. It, I mean, like it makes sense too. Like I hate the portrayal of Superman, but. He like it makes sense. He's a character that hates humanity and hates the burden of having to save them. So that's a consistent character throughout the movie. And I, I hate what they did with Batman, but he's a cold blooded killer who just wants to kill anyone that he thinks is a threat. And so it makes sense throughout the entire movie that they would want to fight each other. And at least they set it up in an okay way that he was he was there during the Superman battle, and it is basically like nine eleven. So it's like that's that's okay. I understand why you're so pissed. Maybe not why you're a psychopath, but I understand why you want some kind of revenge. <laughs> But yeah, like, and the the plot's dumb, but it makes a little more sense. The plot to Suicide, to the Suicide Squad makes no sense. It's and one of the most confusing superhero movies I've ever seen. And, you know, I'm, part of that is, like, clearly DC has been rushing it to to get to Justice League. They've been going as fast. I mean, they, ru- they rushed it in the fact that they had to put Batman in the second Superman movie instead of doing a, a, a better reboot of Batman or something else to establish things more clearly um like supposedly david ayer had something like five weeks between getting hired to do this movie and starting filming so he had like five weeks to write this movie um and i assume through rewrites probably would mess it up because david ayer is never i wouldn't he's done some good stuff he's done some bad like meh stuff but this is easily his worst and i think yeah i think it's just because like there's probably like a million rewrites and he was like pressed for time it's like they don't care. All they care is that it comes out. They don't care what it is, as long as it's something that looks flashy and has lots, like all the characters, because we got to keep building and building and building. When it's like Marvel, like there's like four or five years in between the first Iron Man and when the first Avengers finally mm-hmm. came out. Like they really took their time. And when they did like other superheroes being in the same movie, it was like okay, Black Widow is going to be an Iron Man too. Like oh, because nobody cares about yeah. Black Widow. It was, I mean, and I guess you could say, well, nobody cares about anyone in Suicide Squad except for the Joker, but it's still. Then why are they making the movie? Do you think the reason they've started doing <laughs> these big team up movies right off the bat is because they're like, okay, well, Iron Man and Iron Man Two and whatever and Thor One, those were successful, but Avengers was really successful. <laughs> so if we start with our Avengers, we'll start really successful. Is that the train of thought? I think, yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, well, we've made independent movies with these characters separately, mm-hmm. but we never made that Avengers money. It just seems so much smarter to like, okay, let's do like one of these characters, we'll make like a, like a $50, 40000000 million movie and see if it does okay, and then we'll kind of keep building. But it's like, no, we're going to start off with this huge, you know, like Donna Justice Oops, um, but we also got this other one coming out that's like the bad guys, but it continues it because it's still got Batman, but it's also funny, like Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe. I mean, but I get I get the hubris because they have Zack Snyder, who's had traditionally been a successful director. They have uh, a recent history of being extremely critically and commercially successful with their Dark Knight movies. Like I I understand coming into it saying like, all right, we're 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 ready. We could do this better than Marvel. But they can't. It's not even close. It's pathetic. 
Okay, so not that I want to go too far uh, past talking about the movie in question, but looking ahead to the future, we got immediately we have Wonder Woman and Justice League. Mm-hmm. Is Wonder Woman going to be the film they need to finally fix things? Is that going to fix everything? I'm going to guess probably not, but it's too early to tell. It looks pretty in the trailers. There's nice shots. I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm working towards is are they ever going to turn it around? <laughs> I, I th- They have right now a universe where Batman sucks, Superman is dead, <laughs> the Joker sucks, Harley Quinn sucks. Um, Flash seems fine for the... Just the, wait. The total <laughs> 20 seconds we've gotten to see Remember, him. he was supposed to have a movie in the works and the director, who was just like some guy who made that one really cheap movie dropped out. Mm-hmm. If he dropped out, like, what's going on? It's just a, it's a shitty universe at this point. And uh, my, my favorite fan theory that I've heard... Is that they want to take this and turn it? I mean, it's not. It's the the fans want this, not the the studio. Yeah, the fans want what this will be revealed is that this is the injustice universe, <laughs> where basically all the superheroes turn out to be villains and yeah. they take over the world. Um, and then it's like a parallel universe where the real Justice League ends up fighting them. And honestly, <laughs> that's about the best way that they could go with this. Just lean all the way in, turn Batfleck into a criminal mastermind, yeah. and then have. Christian Bale come beat him up. Because I don't think Wonder Woman's going to turn around. I don't think Justice League's going to turn around. I think their only shot is that new Batman movie. But that seems Which, like it's always in tailspin. It sounds like the director's going to be the uh, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes guy. Matt Reeves. Yeah. Wasn't he the second Apes movie? Is that Rise? Is that Dawn? I forget what the order is. That's Dawn. Okay. Matt Reeves, Dawn, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Let Me In, Cloverfield. Okay. Solid filmography. The question is, what, is he going to get to do anything? <laughs> or is someone else going to take the helm on this and fuck it up? So I don't know. That's, that's, I feel like, for me, that's the only film that can save it. Um, otherwise, they're going to make these movies until they start losing a lot of money on them, and they're going to take a break, and they're just going to have to restart the DC Universe again at mm-hmm. some point in the yeah. future. Um, I'm, I would like it if Wonder Woman turned out to be good, uh, especially because... Marvel has good female superheroes even in the movies, but they've not actually had a female-led superhero movie yet. And uh, Wonder Woman's a cool character. Why not have a good Wonder Woman movie? But I'm I'm not optimistic anymore. It's too hard to be optimistic after what we've been through. Uh, and Justice League's gonna be terrible. <laughs> Superman's dead. How are they gonna bring him back? Fuck. Who's, who's a good enough? They already killed Doomsday. It's gonna be something complicated. They're gonna like, have his body and bring it back with some sort of magical crystal. <laughs> or like Flash is gonna like run around the world in reverse time, or he's gonna make a time warp. He has time. He, remember, he time traveled in Dream. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm too early or whatever. So he he can time travel. I think that's gonna be the key to bring back Superman. That's my prediction. You know how they did it in the Death of Superman comic. He said, oh, when a Kryptonian gets beaten up real bad, it seems like we're dead, but actually we're just in a recovery mode. Mm. Basically, I was just taking a nap for a Okay. I, I can deal with that. <laughs> that sucks. That's terrible. Okay, we're just about done here, but I have one more thing that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, sorcerer. Sorcerer's good. We're, we're done with Sorcerer. <laughs> uh, 
Sean, after we watched the movie, you said that I should go check out the Justice League Unlimited uh, episode that where they had the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. and I did, and it was pretty good, mm-hmm. and it made me sad. It was crazy that in a, a half-hour cartoon made me care so much about this team, and it was just done so much more stylishly. Like, that episode opens up with Deadshot, and he's being walked to go be executed. I'm like, can you imagine if Suicide Squad had opened that way, the mm-hmm. movie? That would have been awesome. It's like, we're going to get executed. But then when he gets the electric chair, Flag is, like, sitting there waiting for him. And the team only has four people. Okay. Who were the four? It was uh, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, uh, Clock King from Batman. <laughs> His thing is that he's just, like, the brains of the operation, and he's good with clocks. He's like a Batman. <laughs> I heard that, yeah. <laughs> and a villain I'd never heard of called Plastique. She blows stuff up, plastic explosives. Okay. That's it. And Flag. Mm-hmm. That's it. So just, it's, it's just pretty good. people to do the mission that they needed them for. And they have to infiltrate, like, a space base that mm-hmm. the Justice League is at. And that's good. It's like, cause, like yeah, you, you, like, you need these people to kind of infiltrate what the Justice League are doing. Because, like, who else is going to do it? It's a suicide mission. Yeah. It was so much better. That's what they should have done, but they didn't. And they fucked it up. Fucked it up hard. <laughs> And at least Lego Batman got to make fun of it. Hmm? Wonder Twins also in Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah. Bring them back. <laughs> Put them in this dumb universe. It's Being, all gritty. It's like, might as well. It's going to suck anyways. It's like Ruby Rose and... <laughs> some Who's like an edgy, younger guy? Miles Teller. <laughs> Miles Teller and Ruby Rose are the Wonder Twins. <laughs> And that monkey they have, like, now smokes and, like, is mean. Hell yeah. He's like Rock Raccoon, but more sweet. Who's he voiced by? Uh, somebody really tough. Jason Statham. Jason, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, you fucking panties. <laughs> oh, oh. Sweet. But that sounds more like something we do on Pitching Tents. Yeah. That's, this isn't Pitching Tents. This has been Good Movie, Bad Movie. Yes, the good movie was Sorcerer. That's why you didn't talk as much, because you should just go see it. It's probably not too hard to get the like the Blu-ray, but I'm guessing it's not on any streaming service. Probably like rent it from Amazon or something. Yeah. It is the 40th anniversary of that movie this year, though, so mm-hmm. hopefully somebody Ooh. takes advantage of that. And uh, don't, don't see Suicide Squad. Yeah, go see the Lego Batman. <laughs> go see the Lego Batman it's movie instead. It's actually fun and has so many more superheroes, actually, than <laughs> Suicide Squad. And uh, once you're done with all those activities, go on over to mildlyplease.com. Uh, that's where you can read our blog posts about stuff like the Friday the 13th movies. Some of those are good movies. Most of those are bad movies. <laughs> uh, also, if you like this podcast, there's other podcasts. You can find them... Uh, on our website or if you search for Mildly Pleased on iTunes. I think that's it. So thank you for listening and we'll speak to you next time.